0: Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. Super glad you are here. Things look a little different today. We are here in the Hunter Park campus uh, uh, theater, uh, auditorium, whatever you wanna call it, getting ready for our series called You Next Week. Super excited, getting the studio ready. So just be praying for that and be praying about all the friends that you need to invite to church. Because here's the thing, you know, so many Christians are scared to death of the Enneagram. Here's the thing, your lost friends, your unchurched friends, they're not afraid of it and they might have a conversation about how to get real using the Enneagram, and then ultimately, we wanna use that to bring them to Jesus. So be praying for that. And today, we're gonna to talk about communion, why Christians remember the crucifixion. So I've used the word communion. Uh, for some of you, if you grew up Catholic, you just call it mass. The entire service is centered around that. Some of your traditions are the word Eucharist, celebrating the Eucharist, which just is the Greek word that means to give thanks. Uh, in the tradition that I grew up in, we call it the Lord's Supper, uh, which is always funny to me because um, when I was a kid, literally, I remember they would pass the plate at the end, which we're going to do. It's not a plate. Don't worry. You don't have to give if it's your first uh, time in church. It's, we're actually going to give you a cracker and a little bit of juice. Don't get too excited. It's a small cracker and a small amount of juice. Uh, and if you're on home at home watching, you're on your own. So whatever you have in the fridge, uh, I would encourage you to do that. But I always remember as a kid, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, and so they would pass the Lord's Supper, and you were only allowed to take it if you were a believer. And so as a kid, you watched that delicious cracker go by and this delicious grape juice that go by. It wasn't wine, Catholic, sorry, we were Southern Baptists, and, you know, they're, they're praying for Jesus about his wine problem. So, but it always amazes me, right, because we would say you can't share in the Lord's Supper unless you're a believer, which is interesting because Jesus shared the first Lord's Supper with Judas, and I don't think he was a believer. So that always bothers me, like Jesus was totally okay with not only a non-believer, but his betrayer participating in the first Lord's Supper. And so we have all of this tradition, all of these backgrounds, all of these places that we come from, and it's just, unfortunately, it's a lot of baggage. And so what we try to do at Sandals Church is we try to strip away uh, the traditions we don't need to look at the commandments that God's called us to obey. And so there's two things we do at Sandals Church. We do the Lord's Supper, which we're gonna do in a minute, and we do baptism. We we consider these ordinances. These are not things that we do on our own. These are things that we do together as the church, as the gathered church, because Christ called us to. He called us to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he asked us to remember his crucifixion, his suffering, what he did for us on the cross. And so I'm gonna read entirely out of the book of Matthew, uh, his remembering of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And then we're gonna unpack this. Why do we remember this? Why is this important? Because a lot of us just go, you know what? I need to know where Jesus has what he has for me today and I need to focus on my life. But here's the thing. One of the things maybe that Jesus wants to teach you today is we need to take some attention and focus off your life and we need to put it on his life. And then he's gonna bless your life once you can get all of that attention off you. So let's look at Matthew 27, 15 through 25. It says now at the feast of the governor, he was it was a custom to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. This is kind of scary, you know? It's not like California where we just let all the prisoners go, you know? The Romans were like, yeah, that's probably not a wise decision. You know, California could learn a lot from Rome. And if, you, if you're watching from another state, God bless you, you're blessed, okay? But in California, we just, we just let them all go. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but we're, we're letting the guy go that you know, killed a guy running for president. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy town here. But the governor said, I'm gonna let one guy go any one prisoner whom they wanted. They gotta pick, you know, who's the guy, who's the gal that we want to be set free, which is just, it's kind of a weird thing, but it's what they did. And then they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. This guy was super famous, everybody knew him. And so when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? And so he brings out the most famous criminal in Israel, Barabbas, or he says, Jesus, who is called the Christ, okay? That's kind of a you know, a little attack on who Jesus is claimed to be. For he knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Not Barabbas, Jesus. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, listen, this: his wife, his own wife. Husbands, listen to me. God has given your wife wisdom, and you need to listen to her when she comes to you and she says, I got a bad feeling about this. You're like, no, it's my lucky day, let's go to Vegas. And she's like, no. Besides, while he was sitting there on the judgment seat, he's on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him. Listen to this, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. And think about that. Pilate's warned by his own wife. Don't mess with this guy, Jesus. I got a bad feeling about this guy. Listen to that, I got a bad feeling about this good guy. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. And the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. And he said, listen to this, Why, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. Kind of sounds like, you know, our political rallies, right? Where we just shout down the opposition. But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, that's all you need to know about politicians. When he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands before the crowd sang. I am innocent of this man's blood. Isn't that what politicians like to do, amen? It's not my fault. I didn't do this. I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, listen to this, his blood be upon us and upon our children. We remember the crucifixion of Jesus because number one, listen to me, it happened. One of the things that we're doing in our culture is we're having a selective memory of history. We're choosing to teach children what we want them to know about history. Here's what I believe about history. And if you're a teacher and you teach history, teach them the good, teach them the bad, and teach them the ugly, but for God's sake, teach them the truth. Teach them the truth. The crucifixion happened, it's a historical event. Even non-believers and atheists recognize the crucifixion. It was a public event, it was a public execution. It wasn't done, you know, like politicians kill people nowadays, right? They didn't try to cover it up, they put it right out there for everybody to see. In John, the gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 20, it says, and many Jews read this inscription because Jesus Christ was crucified publicly. He was crucified on a street corner for the place where Jesus was crucified was near a city. And listen to this. And just so nobody's confused as to who he was, it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and in Greek. Everybody knew who Jesus was. Everybody could could read what he was accused of. And that's why all of us need to embrace the crucifixion. It happened. And if there's any Muslim friends listening today, I love you, God loves you, and he sent his son to die on the cross for you. But the modern day interpretation of the Quran says that Jesus Christ did not die. He was not crucified, it just appeared as though he did. I want you to know, that it didn't appear that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He really died. He really was crucified. And I know that there's so many Muslim scholars today that are wrestling with that passage because it seems contrary to what we know of history in regards to the life of Jesus. No one except Muslims denies the crucifixion of Jesus. And here's the thing. To my Muslim friends, you've been taught that God would never kill his anointed when that's precisely what he did to set you free. First Corinthians one twenty three says this, but we preach Christ, we, pre- we preach Christ crucified. That's the sermon, that's the message, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly truth. So many people ask me, pastor, why do lies spread like wildfire? Here's the answer. A lie can be whatever it wants. The truth can only be what it is. That's why lies spread like wildfire because it can be manipulated, twisted, turned, completely exaggerated, or just a bold-faced lie. The truth is what it is. Here's the truth, Jesus Christ was crucified. We don't just preach him risen, we preach him dead, dead. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. If you ever come with me to Israel, and I say this to my my Jewish friends, many of you who watch Sandals Online, Christianity is not anti-Jewish, Christ was Jewish, the apostles were Jewish. I want you to know this, I I was having a conversation with one of our Jewish guides in Israel and we were at the place where history says Jesus Christ was crucified, there's a church built upon the rock with which people believe this is the place where he died. And as our church members were going up to the place to touch the rock upon which history says Christ was crucified, I asked our Jewish guide, is it strange to you that most of the religious world worships a Jewish man? She looked right at me and she said, that's interesting. I never think of Jesus as Jewish. And it broke my heart. Listen to me, my Jewish friends. God has elected you sovereignly and freely throughout history to use your nation, your people, to bring about the salvation of the world. But in order for us to be saved, in order for us to live, Christ had to die. And it's a stumbling block to the Jews. Why is that? Because the Jewish Bible says anyone hung upon a tree is cursed. And just like the Muslims who say God would never curse his anointed and bring him to death. Jewish, my Jewish friends, they they can't reconcile the Bible and what it says about a man being hung on a tree, being cursed, they can't reconcile that when that's exactly what had to happen to Jesus. He had to be cursed to set us free from our curse. He stood in our way. Look at us. We're, 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 we can't fix our brokenness. We can't even agree as people on the facts. When we see the same thing on TV, we can't even agree. We can't agree on anything, but we divide over everything. Even something like a vaccine that was meant to save us, we, we divide against one another. Even things that are meant to help, we divide and bring harm. That's why Jesus Christ was cursed, so we could remove the curse of humanity. We preach Christ crucified. And so many of you today you think, well, I'm not that bad. There's a bloody cross that says differently. And that cross has your name on it, my name on it. That cross has Muslim names on it, Jewish names, Hindu names, and Buddhist names. It has the names of atheists. It has the names of blacks and whites and gays and straight. It has our names on it. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. We preach him crucified. Next, we remember the crucifixion, listen to this, to refocus our priorities. So many churches today, and God bless them, we need to pray for them. They are not preaching Christ crucified. They are political entities moving for power. And some of you, you have pressured me and pushed me to be that, that is not our calling. I want you to look at the crucifixion story. It was politicians, it was politically driven people who put Jesus on the cross. One of the mistakes that we've made historically as Christians is we've blamed Jews. The people called the Jews for the death of Christ. The people, the Jewish people are not responsible for the death of Christ, their political leaders were responsible for the death of Christ. And I just want you to know, man, I've traveled around the world, And I've been stopped and I've been held in in very uncomfortable places. And I've been in dark rooms where I'm questioned and people wanna know what I think about Trump or Clinton or Obama. And I'm always like, it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what you think, because I wanna get out of this box. But people wanna hold me accountable for whoever's in the White House. Let me tell you who God's gonna hold accountable for who's in the White House. Whoever's in the White House. Not me. He's gonna hold me accountable for what's in my house. I want you to hear me, especially if you're Jewish. The Jewish political elite murdered Jesus. And why? Pilate knew why, they were envious. Most of our political leaders more than anything else simply wanna be popular so that they can have power. And Jesus Christ was a threat to that. These were ultra rich, these were the one percenters. The one percenters, right, of of the Jewish population, dressed in purple, drank the best wine, ate the best food, never went hungry a day in their life and then charged poor people to come and worship God at the temple. And what did Jesus do? He He overthrew the tables at the temple that overcharged people and he said, my house is called a house of prayer for all people. Jesus didn't hang out with the rich. He didn't hang out with the elite. He hung out with the poor and he was a threat to the powers that be. Why? Jesus didn't say, come to me if you're a Kardashian. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus was a preacher to all people. And thank God some rich people like Nicodemus got it. And some rich people like the rich young ruler almost got it. But Jesus was a threat to the power structure of the time. And so they killed him. And let me just be honest, some of you guys, you are more interested in politics than you are in preaching the gospel. we remember the crucifixion to bring us back to reality. No government will be perfect until it rests upon his shoulders. Matthew twenty three twenty says this, now the chief priests and the elders, listen to this, they persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. And listen to me, my friends, whether you're liberal or conservative, many of you have been persuaded to pick Barabbas because they use your emotions, they use your triggers, they use you. Most politics are poison to believers. And some of you guys are so passionate. Oh man, the Democrats are running the earth. Oh, the Republicans. Oh my gosh, you should read my emails. It's unbelievable. But I want you to listen to what the gospel of Mark says about the crucifixion. Listen to me, my political activists. Mark 15, 27, and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus died for both. Jesus died for both. We have to preach Christ crucified. Because I don't care who's in the White House, they're a lousy savior. Jesus wants to know, is he in your house? And some of you nod your heads. But if you ask Jesus, he's like, nah, I don't think so. When I was a young Christian, I used to go to this, this huge evangelistic event called a crusade. And in almost every one of these, there would be a verse and it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone invites me, I will come and eat with him and him with me. And we use that as as an invitation, listen to me, to bring people to Christ when the actual verse in Revelation is to a church. It's to a church. And Jesus is actually saying, hey, Christians, I'd love to be a part of your church service if you just let me in. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with sanctification, the process of us actually becoming like Christ. Next, emotionally manipulated people put Jesus on the cross. Man, isn't it easy to get worked up? It's easy, man. Oh my gosh, I think we're all on the edge a little bit, right? I mean, some of you, if there was any cracks in your psychosis, COVID has brought it out, amen? Like if you were gonna go crazy, you've gone. You've gone over the edge and we are all ready to be emotionally manipulated because we're emotional. Listen to this, the governor again said to them, the governor, okay, this atheist, secular, cultic governor named Pontius Pilate, he's the reasonable dude. And by the way, what we know about history is he's psychotic. So the psychotic guy's the most reasonable person in the group. The governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what am I gonna do with this guy who's called Christ? What happened? They said, let him be crucified. And he said, an occultic, psychotic, non-believing leader. Why? You know why? Because they went crazy. They went crazy. And so many of you, you've gone crazy. So many of you, you know, you you attack Sandals Church. I can't believe Pastor Matt says this or did that. And then you wonder why your kids leave the church. Because in your psychosis, in your emotional rant, you tear down the very thing God gave you to build you up. And just so you know, these are all supposed believers. These are men who have devoted their life to following God and they're demanding that God's son be killed. And they all said to him, let him be crucified. He said, why? What evil has he done? And so they just shouted all the more, let him be crucified. You see, when I allow myself to become emotionally driven, I will morally compromise. Let me tell you, every I don't care how stable your marriage is, you give into emotion, you can walk away from the God's greatest blessing in your life. Listen to me, singles. God bless you, I love you. Jesus was single, he knows what it's like. Some of you, when you get overly emotional, you're willing to morally compromise because in that moment, you don't wanna be alone. You give yourself permission to violate the very ethical code God has blessed you with. Right, when we get overly emotional, we say things we wish we didn't say, we do things we wish we, would, we wouldn't have done. That's what happens. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, the way of a fool seems right in his own eyes. <laughs> when I've gotten overly emotional, I've said things to my wife that I really believed in the moment. And then they came out and I was like, oh, that was bad. That was bad. And wives have memories like elephants. I don't actually know if that's true that elephants have good memories, but my wife never forgets, never forgets. So I gotta be really careful about what comes out. Because I can't remember it five minutes after I said it. Listen to this. Some of you are praying about a tattoo. Here's my one for you. And let's put it on your forehead. Philippians 4, 5, let your, your your reasonableness be known to everyone. Who's? Yours. Let me just ask you a question. Do you see an overwhelming majority of people that are reasonable? I mean, it's why I hope to God, my fate is never determined by fellow jurors, because I've been to jury duty. Anybody else been to jury duty? And I'm like, I don't want these knuckleheads deciding my fate. It's scary. Listen to this, let your reasonableness be known. And here's the thing, you know why we're not reasonable? It's not popular to be reasonable. It's popular right now to be emotional, crazy, and to simply echo what everybody in your group thinks. What do you think would have happened to the person in the crowd that says, should we kill Jesus? (laughs) What, What do you think would happen to him? What would happen to her? You see, that's why we have to be known for being reasonable. Next, leaders motivated by self-interest, put Jesus on the cross. Look, not all political leaders are bad, just most of them. And if you're a political leader watching this, probably you too. Anybody know where the president of Afghanistan is? Somewhere with lots of money for the rest of his life while his people die. Politicians are motivated by self-interest. Politicians oftentimes are motivated by, what do people think? Like, can we just get rid of this? Can we just stop asking what random Americans think? I don't care what random Joe thinks, okay? Random Joe's gift from God is to flip burgers. And if you flip burgers, God bless you, I'll accept your tithe, I love you. I flip burgers, it's a great job. But if that's your max level of critical thinking, I don't know that I want your opinion, I I just don't understand this. Here's what I want, I want leaders who who do what's right. I want leaders who are reasonable, who can think through things. And here's what happens in our culture. We constantly call the other side evil no matter what, and we react to what we're afraid might happen rather than actually dealing with what is happening. People ask me, Pastor Matt, why don't you run for politics? Why would you ever wanna curse me with that? I mean, why why would you want me to be in the public eye for somebody in junior high that I can't even remember? Well, he said this on the way home from school. Okay. I have no idea, I have no idea. And I don't know if you know this, but I talk for a living. And what that means is at some point in time, I said something really stupid and it'll be everywhere, everywhere. Matthew 28, 18, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. They really didn't wanna kill Jesus. They just really wanted to be in power and he was a threat to their position. It was a threat. Next, we remember the crucifixion. And this is huge right now. I know a lot of you are going through difficulties, through challenges, through struggles, I'm praying for you. Some of you are sick with COVID right now. You're, you're still recovering from COVID. You have long COVID. We remember the crucifixion to help us embrace suffering. Here's what every modern day Christian thinks God's role is to keep you from ever suffering or hurting or getting sick or dying. Listen, the crucifixion reminds us that even Jesus suffered. God's one and only son. So there are gonna be some days where you suffer. There's gonna be some days where things are hard. And some of you, you lose your faith as soon as things get tough because you never understood the point of remembering the crucifixion. 1 Peter 2.19 says this, for this is a gracious thing. This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. Did you, did you hear that verse? For this is a gracious thing. Anybody ever like, praise God for the flu? Praise God for cancer. No, no, you're never gonna say that. And if you do say that, you're lying to yourself, others, and God. But listen to this, for this is a gracious thing. When we're mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. The worst suffering on earth is when suffering feels unfair. Didn't feel fair while well, I'm suffering from COVID. Meanwhile, my son's down in a two liter of Dr. Pepper eating, you know, Doritos. You know, and I'm drinking kale shakes. Do you know how bad that tastes? My dog, my dog will not drink a kale shake. She's like, I have standards. I drink kale shakes to stay healthy. COVID's working me. I'm like, Lord Jesus Christ, you probably never drank a kale shake. And he's like, no, I know, I don't know how it tastes. I made kale. It feels unfair, doesn't it? And that's, that's what happens to us. It feels unfair, it doesn't feel right. I don't know why this happened to me. I hear people say this all the time, I don't deserve this. Let me, let me ask you this question, did Jesus deserve the cross? Sometimes stuff happens that we can't explain and we don't understand. And if, if you run that out, you're gonna run away from your faith. You're gonna get mad at God because we're never gonna know why my kid got sick, why my kid died, why, why my marriage failed, why my spouse lied and cheated. We didn't get a choice in that, but we do have a choice to continue to trust God in the midst of our suffering. You say, oh, but pastor, my friends abandoned me. So did the Lord Jesus's. So did the Lord Jesus. Oh, but I prayed for my friends. I was there for them. Jesus was there for Peter. Peter bailed. Oh, but I asked my friends to be there for me. Jesus asked the disciples to be there for him. He said, guys, I've poured into you. I've invested in you. I've given you three years of my life. And they couldn't even pray and they fell asleep. Let me just say this. The things in life that I begged God to take away have ended up being the very things I needed, listen to this, to ultimately for me to find my way. And I know some of you are young and your parents lied to you and they blocked and tackled for you so that you never suffered and life has punched you in the face. That ultimately may be the very thing you need so that you can come face to face with God. Second Timothy 1.8 says this, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel. How do we do it? By the power of God. That's why the apostle Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Man, if it wasn't for suffering, many of you would have never come to church you would have never found your faith and Jesus Christ would have never saved your soul. Praise God for whatever ruined you because that is probably the very thing that Jesus used to save you. Next, we remember the crucifixion because it was necessary to set us free. You see, this is where Christianity differs from my Jewish friends and my Muslim friends. The Muslim faith doesn't understand how God could could kill his anointed My Jewish friends don't understand how anyone righteous could be cursed on a tree. I want you to know that it was necessary to set you free. Matthew 27, 21 says this, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, listen to this, Barabbas, Barabbas. Did you know that Barabbas' name is in all four gospels? His name occurs in Matthew, his his name occurs in Mark, his name occurs in Luke, his name occurs in John. Barabbas is the most instrumental part of the crucifixion that we are the most ignorant of as, as Christians. Why is Barabbas mentioned in Matthew? Why is Barabbas mentioned in Mark? Why is he mentioned in Luke? Why is he mentioned in John? Why is his name in there on the crucifixion? The gospel of Matthew calls Barabbas notorious well-known super famous an incredibly well-known criminal known to all is how you could translate it the gospel of mark calls barabbas a murderer he had killed people the gospel of john depending on the translation calls him a robber and or a thief the gospel of luke hold on to hold on liberals trigger word the gospel of luke calls him an insurrectionist Why on earth is Barabbas so intimately tied to the crucifixion story? And here's the answer, because you're Barabbas. I'm Barabbas, we're all Barabbas, we're all murderers. I never killed anybody, your sins killed Jesus. I've never stolen anything, you steal your time and your talents and your money from God every day. I'm not an insurrectionist. You say, my kingdom, God. That's why you're mad at him all the time because he doesn't answer or bow to you. And you say, I'm not notorious. Oh, but you are known by God and he knows you intimately. Who is Barabbas? In Hebrew, Bar is son. Abbas is Abba. Jesus Christ was the son of God, was crucified so that the sons of the father could be set free. Jesus Christ died to set you and me free. John eight thirty one through 35 says this, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, listen to this, and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what on earth is the truth that needs to set you free? Listen to me, some of you have called yourself Christians your entire life. Listen to John eight thirty two. He said to those who believed in him. He's telling believers you're missing something. What is the truth that will set you free? Here's the truth. You are a sinner separated from God. And if you're Muslim, trying to follow all of the lies all of no excuse me follow all of the laws of Islam will not set you free if you're jewish meticulously and religiously following the law of the torah will not set you free only the son can set you free because someone had to die to set you free they said we are the offspring of abraham listen to this we have never been enslaved to anyone that's not actually true How is it that you say, you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, listen to this, you will be free indeed. Jesus Christ is inviting you out of slavery into sonship. Jesus Christ died on the cross to set Barabbas, sons of the father, free. And on the crucifixion, on the day that Christ suffered, the very thing that can happen for all of us can happen for you and for me. The crowd cried, set Barabbas free. You need to cry out to Jesus, set me free. Set me free from the power of sin. Set me free from the power of darkness. Set me free from the power of myself. And Jesus says, he'll set you free. That's why we remember the crucifixion because it's the bloody moment where God kills the sinful Barabbas in us so that we can become the sons and daughters that he's always called us to be. So that when we invite Jesus into our hearts, listen to this, we can cry out, Abba, Father, have mercy on me. We need to remember the crucifixion. In just a minute, we're gonna share in the Lord's Supper. Your campus pastors are gonna lead you through that. But I just want you to prepare your hearts and say, God, Help me to take my attention and my focus off politics, off my life, off the world, off everything going on around me, and let me look at my heart. Let me examine myself. And Jesus set me free from so much of this stress, anxiety, and worry, because I wanna be free indeed. Let me pray for you. God bless you, I love you guys. Heavenly Father, we pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we would be set free today from worry, anxiety, and fear. And we will remind ourselves of the power and the beauty of the cross. God, preach Jesus crucified to ourselves and remind us that we are not just sinners separated from God, but that we are deeply loved sinners who have been set free by the blood and death of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name, amen.